heard. Amen. So um, I want to get into our, our message today. Uh, today, I feel actually super awkward wearing a suit jacket. I don't normally dress up. If you're new here, this is not a formal church. It's just Mother's Day, and sometimes you do nice things for your mom um, and dress like an adult. So Mother's Day. Uh, how many of you uh, grew up in a, in a church home or church-going family? Uh, and, and, and maybe you, you experienced some weird things that happen on holidays at churches. And every church has its own tradition for things, but most churches would have the similar type traditions that would go with particular holidays. And Mother's Day was certainly one of those days uh, where just odd stuff happens in churches on, on Mother's Day. Um, so I had the opportunity, my, my father was the pastor of this church, founding pastor for well over 30 years, and, and, and it was the 1980s and 90s, and so I'm not knocking my dad, but there's weird stuff we did in the 80s and 90s at church <laughs> when it comes to Mother's Day. And so there were contests during Mother's Day, and, and essentially these contests, you would have like um, the tallest mom, the shortest mom, I'm not, not really, but I mean, that would have been awesome. But you had like the, literally had like the oldest mom. And so this was the one time a year where like the already extremely elderly lady at your church would bring her extremely, extremely elderly mother to church. And they had like people like wheel her in like she's here to be honored for the oldest mom. And like I'm pretty sure she's 111. And this is the first, this is the one time of the year she gets out um, and it's to get her, her bouquet. How many of you grew up with things like that? And, and I don't, it just, it's, it's weird, but like the youngest mom, and that's just like, it just can be a little bit embarrassing sometimes for the youngest mom, and it's, it's awesome, but it's still like interesting. But my favorite tradition uh, for Mother's Day was whoever brought the most people of their family to church. And, um, you know, I had a big family in, in, in my church, but these, there was these just awful people that only came on Mother's Day. And they would bring their, their cousin, their aunt, their grandma, their sister, and they would lie and say, like, their neighbors were their family, too. <laughs> and, like, and, and that, that woman would be like, they're not here yet. You know, pastor, don't, don't do the contest until they get here. And there would be these faithful families in the church that were there serving, working every, every day of the week. Who'd have, they like, look at our 12 that are here. And the one lady that comes once a year, like, I've brought 18. And, uh, yeah, I just my, I'm working through that. Um, and I'd, I'd love to, like, I could say the name of those families, and I don't think they'd ever hear this. But I won't. I won't. Um, and we don't care. If you want to come to church on Mother's Day, that's awesome. We're glad you're here. I'm not teasing that, but it's just like there was competition. Um, depending on what kind of culture or area of the country you grew up in, maybe that competition was like how big of a hat the mom wore. Or, you know, look, look at us. And so there's all these strange things that we do. All that to say, um, we're not here today to celebrate mothers. We're here today to lift up the name of Jesus. And in lifting up the name of Jesus, I think we can bring honor to moms. We can celebrate moms. And I have a, a wonderful mother. I have a wonderful wife who is the mother of my children. And so um, with that, I understand, too, that Mother's Day can be just really hard. Um, a, a lot of you, just because we've talked, and you didn't have good mothers. Uh, a lot of you didn't have mothers in your life at all. Mother's Day can be hard because a lot of us have lost our moms. Or uh, a, a woman yourself, maybe you just don't have children and maybe, maybe you don't want to and that, that's fine. Or, or maybe you're not, you're not able to have children or you've lost children and all those things. 
these days can be awkward because you feel like you're, you're left out. And so while we definitely want to honor moms, we want to honor all women. We want to honor all, all people. And so we give honor where honor is due, but we also have to acknowledge, like, these days can just be weird, and, and, and that's all right. Uh, yesterday, uh, I had the honor to perform a, a, a memorial service for uh, a girl I went to elementary school with and um, just get to minister to her dear, dear children who you know, today don't have their mom with them. And so these are just, this is real stuff. We've got to be there for people who, who feel alone or, or left out or feel like they, they don't belong. And so be sensitive in how we celebrate these days and show great love to people today. Um, today, after our service, we're hosting for our community uh, uh, outreach to, to single moms. And our outreach director, Paula Lehman, she's like, I want to do it on Mother's Day. I'm like, Paula, it's Mother's Day. And she's like, exactly. Exactly, it's Mother's Day. And we want to honor single moms on Mother's Day. And so she's, she's put together a fantastic day for single moms in our community that we can love on and minister to as well. And so we can just all just acknowledge these things. Like this is just the state of where we are. So with that being said, um, we want to lift up the name of Jesus today. And I, I want to do that together today by looking at uh, the life of a mother from Scripture. And when we think about mom's in Scripture, I mean, most of us probably automatically think of Mary, the mother of Jesus. And um, we, we are a Christian church, and, and the Christian church is, is diverse with many different denominations. And, and while I have you know, good, faithful brothers and sisters in Christ uh, who are Catholic, I would also say, like, hey, you guys put too much emphasis on, on Mary. But then I would have to say of, of ourselves as a Protestant church, maybe we don't put enough emphasis on Mary. Not that we would ever worship her, pray through her, venerate her. But the Bible calls her this, this blessed woman who found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And so sometimes it's, it, it, trying, trying real hard not to be Catholic, we actually maybe diminish the role of Mary that she played within the founding of, of our faith, really. And so I want to look at basically two events from the life of Mary today, and it be kind of a... Uh, give and take of two other events, but two main events from the life of Mary to see um, what we can learn from her, how our faith can grow looking at the life of this, this, this woman, Mary. And you'll find out woman is probably not even the best term to use because Mary was, was really a girl when she gave birth to Jesus. Um, Mary was, was somewhere between the ages of 14 and 17 I think more like 14, uh, when she found herself pregnant uh, with, with our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we're going to look today uh, first at what we call the Annunciation. When, when the angel Gabriel declared to Mary that she would become a mother. And then I want to look at um, the death of Jesus and how that relates to the birth of Jesus, specifically in the life of his mom, Mary. And so if you have a Bible, we're, today we're purposely not putting these verses on the screen. I just would like to have everybody's kind of focus in, listen. We do have an app. It's FC Online. Don't look at that right now if you could put your phone away, but the app has all the verses you can read through later. Um, I'd like to give this time, this next 25, 35 minutes, just focused in on, on what Christ would like to do. So let's look at Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. We're going to be looking at Again, this annunciation of the birth of Jesus. So it says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God. 
the sixth month in context is the sixth month of a woman named Elizabeth's pregnancy. Elizabeth was a relative of Mary, the mother of Jesus. We just learned about the miraculous pregnancy of Elizabeth. And so here Luke records, in Elizabeth's sixth month of pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Nazareth um, was a very small town. Very small town, rural town in in the region of Galilee up in the hills. Um, This is not a place that would be a prominent place within this area. If we were reading this today, it would be like in the um, sixth month, an angel was sent to, you know, insert small town here, Donald and Aurora or or Mill City or, or Fall City. These towns that are just small, ones that people don't usually think of. And so it says... The angel was sent to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So she's engaged is is the best description we have of that word betrothed, but it is a little different. She's engaged to this this man named Joseph, uh, and Joseph is a uh, descendant of King David a thousand years before. And um, during this engagement, Mary and Joseph likely would not have seen each other for up to a year before their wedding because during that year, the men would go off and and build a house and prepare for a life that would usually immediately mean children upon the consummation of their wedding. And and so this is the situation. And and people, it's it's not like necessarily God's will that it would take place like this, but people used to get married super young. I think people should get married when they're about 45. Um, (laughs) Because then you're just starting to get a little bit mature. Uh, but Mary was like 14. And so Mary, this, this virgin girl, betrothed to Joseph to be married, the angel comes to her, and in verse 28 it says, He came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Now, first of all, um, seeing an angel is never a pleasant experience in Scripture. Every time in Scripture, every single time someone sees an angel in Scripture, they're terrified. Um, The reason they're terrified, it's always implied but never stated very explicitly, is because it it seems as if people thought it meant that this was an omen to death. Like this angel is going to carry me into the afterlife, so so to say. And so it says in verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at this saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Like, does this mean I am dead? And so here she is, this young girl, the angel comes and says that you are favored. Says that the Lord is with you. And this, this was a radical concept, that, that God was not just outside somewhere in the distance observing people from a distance, but God is with this young girl and finds favor in this young girl, Mary. Verse 30, it says, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found, here it is again, favor with God. Mary is a favored one. She finds favor with God. God is with Mary. And behold, he says, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. This is not a normal baby. There's something different here. This this sounds like God. This sounds like a king. This sounds like what people have been talking about, a Messiah. This doesn't seem like a normal thing. And so Mary asked in verse 34, how will this be? I'm a virgin. 
please note this is not a lack of faith. Even if it was a lack of faith, it's not repelling to God. This is a legitimate question. I am a virgin. How, physically, how can I get pregnant? And so some people look at this like Mary doubted God. Not the case at all. She's literally just asking, whoa, I'm a virgin. How, how is that going to be? Verse 35, the angel answered her. And, and I almost, you can imagine saying, no worries. This is how it's going to happen. And it doesn't sound any less strange. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. No big deal. You know, like, how is this going to happen? Well, the Holy Spirit is going to immaculately conceive a child within your womb, Mary. All right. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. Going back to the beginning of the story. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. So uh, this older woman who was unable to have children is now pregnant with a boy who we would later know as John the Baptist. Nothing is impossible with God, Mary. Yes, Mary, I hear your question. How, how will this be? Yes, you are a virgin. Yes, you're not married yet. You've never been with a man. How will this be? Thank you for that question, Mary. But nothing's impossible for God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. I love this sentence right here. And and if we could all live our lives to this sentence, all of our lives would be much better lives. She says, let it be to me according to your word. If I'm Mary, if I'm this 14-year-old girl at this point, I'm saying, I'm out. No. Scary stuff. Please, no. But she says, let it happen. Whatever you want, that's what I'll do. Whatever you want to give, that's what I'll receive. Let it be to me according to your word. So recap, Mary, this young virgin betrothed girl, is willing to receive whatever it is the Lord has to give her, however it is the Lord wills to give it. So we're going to look at two points today, and that's the first point, by the way. I'll, I'll say it a few times, but... Mary is willing to receive whatever the Lord wants to give, however he wants to give it. See, a lot of us, we want to receive whatever God wants to give, but we don't want to receive it however God wants to give it. We want it before the work. We want it before the pain. We want it before the hurt. We want it with no sacrifice to ourselves. But here this 14-year-old girl says, I'm willing to take whatever you'll give, God, and I'll take it however you choose to give it to me. Let it be to me according to your word. So here's the actual point I just alluded to. Those who find favor with the Lord, we could also say those who follow Jesus Christ are willing to receive what God gives. They are willing to receive what God gives. And, and, and the tension that you're all thinking in your mind right now is, well, I would receive whatever God wanted to give me. No, you wouldn't. No, I don't. Those who find favor with the Lord are willing to receive whatever God wants to give them. And what she received was the greatest gift. It was the greatest responsibility. That's what the job of mothers and fathers is, the greatest responsibility. It was the greatest responsibility. It was the greatest leap of faith. And it was the greatest leap of danger wrapped into one. You say, what do you mean danger? It was dangerous for a teenage unmarried girl to be pregnant during this time in history, period. 
Not saying that's right, it's just a fact. This was a dangerous proposition to say, yeah, I'll take that on. It was, it was gift, it was responsibility, it was danger all wrapped into one, but she had no need to fear in life. And she had no need to fear in death. Because the angel said, God is with you. That's why David said a thousand years before, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you remove danger. He says, because you're with me. Because you're with me, I don't need to fear death or life. It doesn't matter. And here, I believe that Mary had heard Psalm 23 before. She would have grown up hearing it recited in the synagogue and in the home that God was with her. She didn't need to be afraid. God found favor in this young lady. And for what this young woman, this girl would receive, she responded in faith. She responded in humility. She responded in willingness. And she responded in worship. I think a lot of us receive what God has to give in faith. I think some of us receive what God has to give with worship. I think even fewer of us receive what God has to give with willingness. But I think even fewer of us receive what God has to give with humility. This girl was the pinnacle, the, the, the prime example of humility. Let it be to me according to your word. And so she worships. She goes and she visits Elizabeth, who's pregnant with John the Baptist. They meet, and, and, and the, the, um, the child, John the Baptist, leaps, the Bible says, in Elizabeth's womb. And like sometimes happens in Scripture, which is very normal for us today, just break out in song. It's like, you know, those of you, like, younger millennials, like, your dream life is to be, like, in a real-life high school musical. Just break out into song with Zac Efron whenever you want. And fi- what a fine, talented young man. <laughs> Luke 1, verse 46, she says this, literally breaking out into song, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Not the greatest example of humility to call yourself humble, but the Holy Spirit's leading her here. She's looked on my humble estate. For behold, now, uh, now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Interesting that Mary says he's done this for me, because this doesn't seem like it's something that's for her. It's something that's for the world. That's going to be a great sacrifice for her. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. She responds in worship. Those who find favor with the Lord are willing to receive whatever it is God has to give them, however it is God wills to give it to them, and they're willing to respond in worship. And so she receives this greatest gift. And she receives this greatest gift after a long, on-foot road trip. And there in the city of David in Bethlehem, she gives birth to this gift, to this baby. And she wraps him in swaddling cloths and lies him in a what? 
in a manger, a trough. She, she wraps him in swaddling cloths, wraps him in a manger, visited and worshipped by shepherds, sent to him, Jesus, sent to him by angels. Luke records this after this takes place. She receives the gift. Luke 2, 19, this is where the Christmas story typically ends. It says, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. I, I, I always love this passage because Luke is a medical doctor who didn't witness any of this stuff himself. And so he interviews the people who live these things out. And Luke certainly would have known Mary. And Luke certainly interviewed Mary for this story. And, and she, I can just imagine Mary, a, a woman, as Luke is writing this, probably in her 60s, reminiscing on this great and glorious event. And, and she, she's probably just, just smiling in remembrance of all these things. And Luke says, oh, she treasured these things in her heart. And the reason he knew she treasured them is because he could have seen it on her face as he interviewed her. So those who follow Jesus must be willing to receive whatever it is God wants to give them. And you will say, but God's never going to have me have a virgin birth. I'm never going to be pregnant with the Son of God. Man, am I right. I'm never going to be pregnant with the Son of God. I'm never going to conceive a child. God doesn't want to give me that. But here's what he does ask us. God does want us to receive his son. He wanted Mary to, to physically receive his son. But he wants us to receive his son. To receive his son's life. To receive his son's death. And to receive his son's resurrection. To receive the forgiveness and the salvation that can only come from his son. And to receive faith. To put faith in that son who is the only one who can save. So God's asking you to receive his son Jesus. He's asking you to receive his son, Jesus. A lot of conversations the last few weeks with, with people who, who just don't, don't know Jesus or not interested in knowing Jesus. But whether you know Jesus or are interested in knowing Jesus or not, you still have to choose whether or not you will receive God's son. Either he's real, he is who he said, he did what scripture said he did, or he, he's not. You must do something with Jesus. You must receive him or reject him. You must fall under his submission or rebel against him. We all, every single person has to choose. Not only is God asking us to receive his son, as a Christian, God's acting, asking us to receive his spirit. And you might say, well, pastor, I already have his spirit as a Christian. And I would say, yes, you do. You're right. The spirit of God dwells within you. But Paul tells us to be filled with the spirit. Well, aren't I already filled? When I think of filled, I think of overflow. When I think of filled and when I think of overflowing, I think of Psalms 23 where David says about the good shepherd that you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. God's asking you to receive his spirit. There are a lot of faithful, God-fearing, Jesus-saved, spirit-filled Christians, oftentimes myself included, who don't seek more of the Holy Spirit. God wants you to receive his Holy Spirit, and those who follow Jesus are open to receive whatever it is God wants to give them, however it is he wants to give it. And that's the thing with the Holy Spirit is you can say, God, I want the Holy Spirit, but you don't get to choose how it happens or what happens with it. I'm not willing to submit my life to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit might lead me to do something I don't want to do. Oh, he will every time. 
Every time. God's asking us to receive the gifts of the Spirit. That's why they're called gifts. Every believer has the Holy Spirit. Every believer has been given spiritual gifts. But are we operating them? Are you operating in your gift of hospitality? Are you operating in your gift of leadership? Are you operating in your gift of mercy? Are you operating in your gift of preaching? Are you operating in your gift of miracles, prophecy, knowledge, wisdom, tongues, interpretation? That's strange, Pastor. Oh, it is strange. But God wants to give us the gifts of the Spirit. Here's my main point of the day, and then we'll get to the the point two. But the main thing I'd like everybody to leave with is this. Just like Mary, just like the mother of Jesus, God desires to give us a calling. Salvation, most important. Holy Spirit, it's how everything happens from that point on. The gifts of the Spirit, a tool for those things to happen. God wants to give us a calling. Mary had a calling. What was her calling? Was she called to be a pastor, a worship leader, a youth pastor? Oh, there's a lot more callings than that that are, that are a lot different than that. Her calling was to be the mother of Jesus. And stepping into our calling and the willingness to receive it, it's a gift. It's a responsibility. It's a leap of faith. It's a risk filled with unknowns. But you don't need to fear your calling in life or in death because God is with you. And you've got to receive that calling in faith. You have to receive that calling in humility. You have to receive that calling with willingness and in worship. God wants to give you something. God wants to freely give you. He wants you to freely receive his gifts. So quit running from it. Quit running from it. Stop running from it. Open your heart. Open your hands to the life God has for you. Because life has a lot of great opportunities. There are, there are many, one thing I've been, I've been paying attention to this week is there's a lot of jobs available right now. Like I was, I've been talking to some family members, like I could, I could easily go and like do something completely different and make a couple, like 150 bucks an hour. Like that sounds appealing. There's a lot of jobs that you could go take right now. But God has you in a place of a calling. So are you called to be where you are at work? Are you called to be where you are in education? Are you called where you're called to be in your family at this time? Are you called where you're called to be in the city you live in? Some of you are not called to be here, and that's okay. This week, um, our church lost three families to other states. People are leaving this state like crazy. But are you called to be here? And I say, I am. Are you called to be here? Are you called to do or to be what you're doing? Seriously, are you? Because God wants to give you a calling. And some of the most miserable people I ever interact with are not non-Christians. Some of the most miserable people I interact with are Christians who are running away from their calling. Because you're never going to find fulfillment. You can make a lot of money. You can have a nice house, a nice car. Uh, a beautiful spouse, wonderful children. You can have all the latest things. But if you're not in the spot God has for you, none of it, none of it, even your spouse, even your children will not bring fulfillment. 
They won't. And if, and if you think you're trying to find fulfillment in your kids or your spouse, they're God and God's not. God wants it all. Quit running. Stop running from your calling. There are some of you that know that you know that you know that you know what you're supposed to be doing, and you're not doing it. And if you just don't think about it, then you don't have to deal with it. Well, you're, you're dealing with it in here. Do something with it. Please. Please, the world needs you. The body of Christ needs you. This church needs you. People need you. Your neighbor needs you. Walk in your calling. But oftentimes, receiving things means you have to be willing to let go of other things. This is point two. Those who find favor with God are willing to let go of whatever he asks. For the same Mary who received Jesus in her teens had to let him go in her late 40s. The same Mary who received openly Jesus in her teens had to let him go in her 40s. She was one of only two people, right? Her and and Joseph to be there when Jesus was born. She had to be there. But she was one of four people who was with him in his birth. Herself, another Mary, another Mary, and John. John 19, 24 says, But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. If you're having kids, don't name each one Mary. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple he loved, that's John, not John the Baptist, but John the disciple, also a teenage boy, standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And he said to the disciple, John, John, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Uh, John, I'm, I'm dying here, but when I leave, I want you to take care of my mom. Jesus had brothers, by the way. We know he had James and Jude. They're still alive at this point. They, they end up writing books of the Bible. Jesus had sisters. But he chose John to take care of his mom. And he chose his mom, I like this, he chose his mom to take care of John. Some of you are so great at taking in other kids, by the way. Some of you don't know how to say no. (laughs) They keep coming. But some of you are so great at at taking in other kids. And and that is literally the most commendable, Christ-like thing you could do. Your mom's in a a whole nother level. And so she was willing to give him up and then then make sure, he makes sure she's taken care of and his friend makes sure she's taken care of and they're all taking care of each other. He's honoring his mom. But Mary who wrapped her baby in swaddling cloths and lied him in a manger, she would be the one to help take him down from the cross with those three others and wrap him in, in burial cloths and lay him in a tomb. She had to be willing to both receive Jesus and let Jesus go. And as a result, she was one of the first to see him risen from the dead. She was one of 120 people who watched him descend to the Father in heaven. And she was one of 120, the first 120 to receive the Holy Spirit. She was there for it all. And here's what I love right now. Here, you know what Mary's doing right now? She's with her son. Mary, right now is in paradise with her son, Jesus. For those of you who have lost mothers and, and you're reflecting on your mom this Mother's Day or any, maybe you've lost a child as, as a mother, you're reflecting on Mother's Day. Yesterday as I was um, 
interacting with some, some precious young people who'd lost their mother, I, I told them that, hey, today we established with great hope and with great faith that your mom is in paradise with Jesus right now. And here's the good news. Jesus is with you right now. So uh, is our hope just like I get to be with mom or dad in heaven someday? No, 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 no. The, the hope is actually they're with Jesus and so am I. He's the connecting point. And yeah, one day it'll be great to see those we've lost. Won't, won't it? It'll be great. It'll be a great reunion. But it'll be even greater to see Jesus. And Jesus is the thing that connects us to them right now. It's like they're in his presence at the same time we are. Isn't that weird? That's why uh, Philippians talks about like being seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Right now, the thing that connects us with saints of old who have gone on before us is that we're both in the presence of Jesus. So those who follow Jesus must be willing to let go of whatever he requests. So what's God asking you to let go of? And you might say, oh, it's bad things. I need to quit smoking. I need to quit drinking. I need to quit eating so much fattening food. I need to do this. I need to do that. The things that God asks you to let go of, the bad stuff's obvious. And I'm not, I'm not saying that all those things are wretchedly sinful. I'm just saying these are the things we say. What I have found out is that God often asks me to let go of good things to receive better things. I know what God wants me to do less of. He doesn't have to call me. to. I, I know things that are not good for me. But it's the things that are good for me that God asked me to let go of that are way harder to hear. So what is he asking you to let go of? Are you committing time somewhere that is, is really great, but it's just not what you're supposed to be committing to? Are you investing into an education right now that you're really not going to use in your career someday? Are you in a career that's wonderful, and, man, you're making bank, and things are good, and your family is taken care of, but it's not what God has. Receiving what God has, that seems like it's wonderful, but it almost always requires letting something else go. It's like if we're clinging on, I'll just use like tithing for an example. Um, like if we're clinging on to the 10%, God can't give us the more because our hands are closed. So that's why as a church, we just have this idea when, when we give God our first and our best, we believe the rest will be blessed. When we're willing to let go of the little we have, God gives us, the Bible says, much. Those who are faithful with a little, God gives us much. And so you've got to be willing to let go of something. And that's why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, as he sends his disciples out, the ESV says, you received without paying, give without pay. Another way to look at this in more common English vernacular would be freely you've received, freely give. God's like, hey, I gave you everything for free. What are you doing holding on to it? Let it go. The job, are you willing to let it go? This, this re toxic relationship you're in, are you willing to let it go? The, the education you're seeking right now, good stuff, but are you willing to let it go? If God called you to ditch your plan to build a new house, to go to this school, to go to this job, to move to this state, whatever it is, if God called you to ditch that plan and give your life to, would you do it? I didn't say what, by the way, because you already know things that God has called you to. You know. Here's the crazy thing about the call of God. The frustrating thing. He doesn't revoke it. So you might be, I'm in the clear because I said no 20 years ago. And God's like, I'm still asking you to go. 
call didn't change. Seasons change. Times change. But, but God doesn't revoke callings. So some of you who said no a long time ago, check your pulse. If, if you feel one, you can still go. You can still go. You'll never regret it. When you go to the grave, do you want to have regrets or do you want to have great memories of the things that you actually did? People on their deathbeds, and this cliche and cheesy, but people on their deathbeds don't usually um, feel real horrible for the things they did. They oftentimes feel real horrible for the things they never did, that God called them to do. So it's time, it's time, it's time. Step into what God God called you to do. Quit playing around. Quit distracting yourself. You're never going to find fulfillment in money, houses, spouses, children, dogs, cats, especially cats. <laughs> You're not. You're not. This stupid cat almost died like twice this week. And if it wasn't for my kids, we wouldn't have spent $500 and it's, it wouldn't be here. Um, You're never going to find fulfillment. So we can learn a lot from mothers. We can learn a lot from Mary, the mother of Jesus, who was willing to receive and give. And as a final statement, Mary didn't always do that right. And this, again, I, I love faithful Catholic brothers and sisters, but Mary sinned. She just did. If Mary didn't sin, we didn't need Jesus. Mary sinned. And we know for a fact in Mark chapter 3 that Mary and her other kids, they thought that Jesus was out of his mind, the exact words. He's out of his mind. Jesus, what are you doing? What are you talking about? It was cool when you were turning water into wine. That benefited the family. But this whole, like, demon possession thing, this whole, like, love your enemy, pray for those who persecute you, go the extra mile, turn the other cheek, you're out of your mind, Jesus. You need to come home back to small town Nazareth. You need to get out of the city. And Jesus says, his his followers are like, hey, we're in this big crowd right now, but your mom and your, your brothers and sisters, they want to talk to you. And Jesus respectfully and lovingly but truthfully says, my mother and brothers and sisters are those who do my will. He wasn't dissing his family, but what he was saying is he had a calling higher than his earthly family. And it was the entire family of God, not just them. So Mary didn't always do it right. That didn't stop Jesus. That didn't stop his love for Mary, and it doesn't stop his love for you when we don't do things right. It didn't stop his grace that's just poured out and poured out and poured out, and it didn't stop the calling on Mary's life. When you mess up and when you did mess up and when you've messed up, it did not stop God's call on your life. It's not revoked. Because Mary had found favor in God, and God was with her. God finished the work he started. God finished the work he started. And we don't know much about Mary after, like, Acts 1. It looks like she died in the city of Ephesus with John as an old woman. That's what, it's pretty clear that happened. 
But even when you mess up, God will finish what he started in you. You just have to be willing to say yes. You got to be willing to say, I'm, I'm willing to receive whatever, and I'm willing to let go of whatever. Her life's legacy was not a life legacy of mistakes. It was a legacy of faith, and that faith was shown through receiving and through giving. Would you guys bow your heads? How many of you had a mom who, who gave a lot for you? A lot of you did. How many of you had a mom who received a lot for you? Um, there's been times throughout life where I've been taught um, by well-meaning people to, like, not receive good things that people try to give you. You ever been taught that before? Like, somebody gives you something real nice, you're like, no, I couldn't, I can't. It's too extravagant. You ever been taught that before? Uh, but I've been taught by other great, wise, mature people, um, like my parents. Like if somebody, somebody wants to give you something, receive it. it. It's for them too. It's a blessing for them. So if, like, if, if it's that like older adult person who like shakes your hand with a tin, you ever had that older person before? Receive it. You don't have to say no, 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 no. Just like thank you, thank you for the blessing. Be blessed. And, and it's silly, but God's not like wanting to shake your hand with a tin today. We're not. That's not why we're in this thing. God wants to give us really, really good things. Those good things are really, really hard. Take a lot, a lot of work, a ton of sacrifice, cost a lot. Can you imagine Mary's life any other way? What if she said no? That's a good debate, isn't it? Like, well, would the sovereignty of God given her Jesus to begin with? And we could get into some crazy theological debate about that. But I, with all my heart, I don't believe God would have ever pushed that on her. She received willingly. Look at how the world is different because of what she was willing to receive. Not give, but willing to receive. The world would be different if you would be willing to receive the things that God wants to give you. He wants to give you his son through salvation. He wants to give you his Holy Spirit to empower you and equip you. He wants to give you the gifts of the Spirit to do the work of God. He doesn't want to just give you a calling, but he's actually created you for a calling. Ephesians 2, uh, 10. We're created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand for us so that we could walk in them. God's got a plan for you. He wants to give it to you. And through experience of my own and experience of hundreds of others I've watched this struggle with, is that you don't walk in that calling unless you receive it. You just don't. 
It's, it's, it's easy physically to walk and run away from the calling of God, but man, it's really hard in your heart, and your heart never finds its place. So please receive what God wants to give. But no one looking around, and if this is just too strange for you, like, that's all right. Just, would you, just, just no one looking around, raise your hands up. Sam, you don't have to lift your hands in the sky, but just lift your palms up. Just palms up. Everybody's doing it. It's not weird. Just lift your palms up and say, God, I'm willing to receive whatever you can. I'm willing to receive whatever you have to give me. These are my open hands. Here's my open heart. In humility, I ask for you to give whatever you'd like to give. And I'm willing to receive in gratefulness, in humility, in faith, in willingness, and in worship. And as you give it, God, I understand that I might have to give some things away. And with your hands continued to be up, because it's the same gesture, isn't it? The gesture of receiving and giving is the exact same. It's palms up. God, whatever I have that you want to take, I give it to you. Career, location, relations, finances, things, education, whatever it is. I don't know, I don't know what it is for you. Uh, last two weeks, I've been wrestling, what is it for me? What am, what's God calling me to let go of? Because I feel God calling me to let go of some things, and I don't know what it is yet. And I'm asking, what is it, God? What do you want me to let go of? Is it my cat? <laughs> Sorry, Zion. What do you want me to let go of? And I think the last two weeks for me, I've been more focused on that than what he wants to give. But I know he wants to give, too. So, God, whatever you want to give me, my hands are open. I'll receive gratefully, but I really want to know what you want me to give. We can learn from Mary a life of receive and give. Receive and give. God, I thank you for this time. We're going to go into a time of just singing a song here. And um, as you guys leave today, um, when Paul is going to come dismiss us after this song. And uh, we did one cheesy Mother's Day thing, and it's not the tallest or the shortest or the one with the longest elbow or uh it just um there's a drawing we'd like to give some a gift basket away and so paula will just say who won that and um it's just fun um we're doing this again tonight at five if you know someone that needs to hear this message you can bring them back tonight at five o'clock this week remember wednesday thursday friday we have the conference here at seven and the next sunday uh steve holder president of our fellowship network he'll be speaking too but all that to say, like, I feel God's spirit here today. He's always here, but I feel him here in a prophetic way. And if the Lord gives you, if you're someone um, who we trust at this church, and you walk in faith and humility, if God gives you a word for someone today as, as we're worshiping and as you go today, would you make sure you share that? Because that's part of giving away. It's, it's, it's giving away our own insecurities and, and being willing to speak a word into someone's life. Um, but I, I really strongly believe some of you, you need to hear from God today about something he wants to give you that you've never actually received because you've been so busy running. Please stop. I know for absolute certain there's about seven of you here today. I could call you out by name right now, and I won't because that's not what this church is. But you just got to stop. You got to quit running. It's time to receive what God has. And then I know that every single one of us has something he wants to give. Please, please give it away. If you have a word of encouragement for someone today, 
Um, remember, it's a word of encouragement. You need to let go of... I think God usually speaks more in, you need to receive. I want to see you have. I want to see you walk in freedom. Okay? Difference. So, Lord, this, this time is yours. Thank you for this time. Let us receive, let us give. Let us know when to do both of those things.